How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. <laughs> everyone. Everyone. Everyone and anyone. No matter who, where, what, when, why, you are welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Thank you, Mark Styles of Styles Law. All are welcome, including our favorite friends with four legs. They can listen. Yes. Yes, they sure can. You know that I sent Bella, because we're talking about dogs tonight, I sent Bella to our canine college recently, and she graduated with her doctorate. Oh, boy. Thank you. Yeah, we're starting. It was a howl, though, wasn't it? Oh, here we go. All right, all right. I'm going to get Game on. I love it. I love that they just, they flow. They flow so easily through that brilliant mind of yours. A blessing and a curse. It is. I don't mean to hound you with them, though. Oh, boy. Already. I think you dug for that one. I do. I think you dug dug a little deep for that one. You think, you think I, I dug a little deep for that? Yeah. One? Yeah, you it? dug under the fence. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I'm not going to give that one free flow. Okay. All right. All right. Let me, well, let me take a pause. Speaking of that, yeah. Don, could you, or who's introducing our guest tonight? Mark. I'm going to introduce our guest. Introduce our guest tonight, please. Yes. I, I am honored to do so, Dr. Joe. We have a local celebrity here with us on the Dr. Joe show. Uh, you may know him as a member of your select board in the town of Marshfield, Massachusetts, but he's also an achiever. He's a he's an individual who saw something that he wanted. He knew that it was good for the community. He knew all of the benefits that would come through following through with his goal. And he stuck with it and he kept digging and he kept digging and he recently was approved him and his team to uh, have a dog park opened in the town of Marshfield. And I am really fascinated with dog parks. So I asked you, Dr. Joe, let's talk dogs again. If you recall, our number one trending episode for a very long time was the one when your beloved Dodger. Dodger. But without further ado, Dr. Joe, Tom, I want to introduce you to Steve Darcy, the one and only. Welcome, Steve. Yeah, thank you. Welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to it. Should be a it lot of fun. Is, it is a pleasure. Welcome, Steve Darcy. So this is um, a long, long time goal for you. How long have you been trying to get a dog park here in Marshfield? Um, it's probably been five years at this point. So a common joke I've been making a lot lately is that this project started in my twenties and will finish in my thirties. That's how, how long it's taken. <laughs> wow. Why, why the resistance do you think to a dog park? It just seems such a logical thing. Yeah, I, I thought so. I thought it would be an easy sell, but here we are five years later. Um, so, I mean, there's so many dog owners in our community. If you walk around your neighborhood, it seems like every third house has a dog in it. So it's just a great place to, you know, take your dog to socialize. And it's a great place for people and owners to meet and get together as well. So I think people are just maybe either unaware of how many dog owners are in town. 
and how this would benefit a huge portion of our community. And then I think there are just some people who just don't want to, you know, have any taxpayer money appropriated towards a dog park, even though it would serve a, a good chunk of our town's population. Hmm. Well, think, think about that, Dr. Joe. You know, if you were unaware and you were not part of the dog owner's community, what, what do you care? Why, why, why are we spending money? Now, the beauty of this, uh, and Steve can speak to it a little bit more eloquently, though, is that it was a, a public-private partnership. So it wasn't all town funds. They were required to also raise funds of their own. And then the amounts that are on your tax bill for, uh, for the CPA, the Community Preservation Act, that's on your tax bill, folks, in Massachusetts is depending on if your town adopted this wonderful statute, um, part of your tax bill goes to this to be used for things such as dog parks and playgrounds and open space and affordable housing and other wonderful things to help preserve your community and, and make your community stronger. And they utilize those funds as well as some of their own funds. So, um, but back to the person who doesn't have a dog, I don't want that. Why are we spending money on that, right? That's, that's real. Hmm. And yet we have a town in which we also have a senior center that people were yeah. willing to spend money on and seawalls that people were willing to spend money on that, that there was resistance to that as well. But we were able to remind people that we're one town. You know, and I hope that, that, that that's, that's sort of the message as well with this, that um, it's going to benefit everyone. So when were you first introduced to the, uh, the concept of a dog park, Steve? So I was actually on vacation in June uh, on a ferry to Block Island. I was reading the Boston Globe, and there was a story in the Globe South section about a town uh, north of us, the town of Ayr and how they had built a dog park with a grant from the Stanton Foundation. And so I just couldn't believe the dollar figure attached that they got. Um, so you get up to 250,000 for a grant from the Stanton Foundation that goes towards the construction of the park and then getting the design ready for, for bid. Um, so I thought it would be an easy sell that we had a private grant that would help finance a good chunk of this. And it's the hardest part along the way was finding a location, but that's when I first got started. I was on the Recreation Commission at the time looking for a project that would improve our town that fell under the purview of recreation. So that seemed like a, a good logical fit. And, um, you know, taking my dog to growing up to dog parks really helped socialize her and get her good exercise and mental stimulation. So it's something I wanted to do for the town. So you had dog parks when you were a kid? Um, so I would travel all the way to Hainham to Stodder's Neck. So that's like a 40 minute drive from where I lived at the time. So that was, that was before Situate existed. So before Situate's park, I would go all the way to Hainham to take my dog to a dog park on the weekends. Yeah, because Dr. Joe, I never really understood or, or saw the need for dog parks. And I've been a dog owner forever, but I've always taken my dogs to the trails until it wasn't a great place for Rudy, because as you know, he started to lose his eyesight and being the friendliest specimen on the planet would started going up to kids and barking at them when he never it was always say hello stick your head down get a pat move on but i you know he didn't know if they were kids or bears or other dogs or what so 
that's where I was introduced to the dog park and it's been unbelievable. And the, the community within dog parks, it's, it's really fascinating because if you are a dog owner, everyone in there is a dog owner, right? So you're in that community. You know, we've talked about community a lot, Dr. Joe, and you know, yeah. you brought it up again with the one, one community when other people, you know, in that community don't own dogs, but the subsect of the community that does own dogs, really interesting. Yeah, and it, it's, it's not confined, you know, it's, there's not like an admission requirement that you have to have a dog. If you want to just go and right. check it out, I, I highly recommend it. It is a remarkable culture. But you also, you get to see the personality of these dogs. Uh, Steve, you have dogs or had dogs? Yes, I have two dogs currently. And, and what, what was the appeal of a dog park for you? Have you? You've been to the one in Situate. You traveled 40 minutes to go to another one. Why would you take your dogs to a dog park? Sure. I mean, just seeing how happy it makes them is worth the price of admission. But also too, I mean, if I take them on a leashed walk as you know, versus a dog park, the mental stimulation they get from the park is so much bigger and better. And it really tuckers them out more too. So I can guarantee you that the busiest day of the week will be the Sunday morning before a Patriots game. <laughs> People won't be able to relax and enjoy the game, but the dogs are happy as can be. It's like going to Disney World for them. And they get kind of the stimulation that they need and it tuckers them out way more than a leashed walk does. It's so true. And just, just, to, just to clarify, it was a turn of phrase price of admission. There is no price of admission, but what you do need to do is bring a poop bag just yeah. in case. Many of the places have them though, right? They, yeah. they buy them as well. Yes, yeah, so we'll have poop bags. Um, Situate has them. And then their nonprofit, the Friends of the Situate um, Dog Park, they have a private company that picks up anything that gets missed and then also will restock and replenish those bags too. Yeah, so people don't need to worry that there's like piles of dog poop around. It is absolutely pristine in that way. And the dogs, it's, it is magic watching this. Um, we were in, in Chicago when we saw our first dog park in Chicago uh, on, on the lake. And um, it was, I mean, there were dozens and dozens and dozens of dogs, people just hanging around the lake, having their you know, their picnics, the dogs had developed their own society, you know, mm -hmm. and they, there wasn't anybody, any dog like growling and annoyed with another, they were just running in and out of the water. Then when we walked further down the lake, people were bringing their dogs, and you could see how excited these dogs were knowing, oh man, it's gonna be so much fun, it's gonna be so much fun, you know, they were, they just couldn't wait to get there. It, it's a remarkable experience. I mean, dogs, dogs are remarkably social animals. We know that, but there is something watching these dogs just learning how to play with each other, you know, and, and the personalities that come through from the dogs, you know. Mark sent me a video today of, uh, of two dogs sort of lying down. Do you want to describe that? That was quite a wonderful. Yeah, it was funny. So, so the other added benefit to the dog park is, you know, we have Papacito, we rescued from Puerto Rico and he's been challenging at, is a nice way to, to explain the, uh, the challenge of, of, of raising this dog, but the ability to 
train him within the confines of other understanding people and dogs, right? It's, it's a it's an open arena to you know nail down some of the the commands, but um, it was something I had never seen him do before. I wasn't going to video it for you. I was videoing it because I I was going to send it to the kids and say, you know, look what Papacito is doing. But he he got down and got down real low uh, as the other dog was approaching. I've seen other dogs do this, but I've never seen Papacito do it. But then the dog that was approaching also got down really low and it was like a standoff. They were both eyeballing each other. And then um, the dog entering kind of got up slow, meandered over to Papacito, got right up close to him, realized he wasn't going to do anything and kind of jumped at him like let's go play now we're all right now and it was really it was fascinating it was really really interesting but my dogs they go they start they they can sense we're getting close to the place and they start going nuts and it's you know as much as we could get them to to stop barking in other places they you, you it's not you don't even try that's that's a battle you you simply let let continue because they see the Disney Disney World out there that they're about to get to, and it's it's absolutely exciting. So I'm excited that you you persevered and pushed through, and and were able to get this for our our local town, so we don't have to cross borders and go into those other communities. We, we're yeah. gonna stick with the community theme, I guess, Doctor Joe, the dog community and the dog lover community and the local communities. But yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, they're, they're remarkable. Steve, you um, you emailed us something. Do you do you have access to that uh, that wonderful piece that you emailed us today? I do. Yes. Can you read some of that to us? It was just wonderful. It's from how long ago? Uh, from the 1800s. So uh, basically, a neighbor was suing another neighbor for shooting and killing his dog, and oh. it's funny because the lawyer that he hired later became a U.S. senator. And I'm pretty sure it might have been Missouri. I could be wrong, but he was also one of the few Southern senators who opposed the Civil War because he wanted to keep the Union together. So, um, but basically, this is an excerpt from his closing argument in the case, and it's just my favorite quotation about dogs because it just kind of captures their essence so perfectly and and why we love them. So I'm glad you got a kick out of it. Um, let me see if I can read the whole thing or just an excerpt because I'm sure we're in a there's some time constraints. Oh, you go right ahead. We got we got a few minutes. Let's let's read this. All right, perfect. All right, so it says starts with a uh, gentleman of the jury. The best friend a man has in this world may turn against him and become his enemy. His son or daughter that he has reared with loving care may prove ungrateful. Those who are nearest and dearest to us, those whom we trust with our happiness and our good name, may become traitors to their faith. The money that a man has, he may lose. It flies away from him, perhaps when he needs it most. A man's reputation may be sacrificed in a moment of ill-considered action. The people who are prone to fall on their knees to do us honor when success is with us may be the first to throw the stones of malice when failure settles its cloud upon our heads. The one absolutely unselfish friend that a man can have in this selfish world, the one that never deserts him, the one that never proves ungrateful or treacherous, is his dog. A man's dog stands by him in prosperity and in poverty, in health and in sickness. He will sleep on the cold ground where the wintry winds blow and the snow drives fierce, 
if only he may be near his master's side. He will kiss the hand that has no food to offer. He will lick the wounds and sores that come from encounters with the roughness of the world. He guards the sleep of his pauper master as if he were a prince. When all other friends desert, he remains. When riches take wing and reputation falls to pieces, he is as constant in his love as the sun is in its journey through the heavens. If fortune drives the master forth an outcast in the world, friendless and homeless, the faithful dog asks no higher privilege than that of his company to guard against danger, to fight against his enemies. And when the last scene of all comes and death takes the master in his embrace and his body is laid away in the cold ground, no matter if all other friends pursue their way, there by his graveside will the noble dog be found, his head between his paws, his eyes sad, but open and alert watchfulness, faithful and true, even in death. And needless to say, they won the case. <laughs> yeah. It's so true, isn't it? It's remarkable, the, the faithfulness yeah. of our dogs. Like uh, that story of that dog in Japan that would wait at the train station every day until it died when his owner uh, died on a business trip once and never came home. Hmm. They have a statue of that dog outside the train station. I wish I remembered the name. There's a statue outside the Bizori one too, right? The of the courthouse that you were reading from. Oh, they have a there. statue of the dog there as well. That was a good yes. story. Yeah, I think we want to get like a, a rock with that quotation engraved on it at like the entrance of the park. I think that'd be pretty cool. But you're be. right, they do have that in front of the courthouse in Missouri, which is pretty awesome. I'm glad you, you looked that up and you found it. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was nice. It was a great story you sent. Yeah, I mean, the the faithfulness of dogs is unparalleled. So Steve Darcy is our guest, and he has been able to put together the the platform, basically, and the votes for the dog park. Was it close? It seemed kind of close. Yes. So there were two articles at the most recent town meeting. The first was approval of the new location. And that was close because that required a two thirds vote. And then thankfully for the CPC additional funding, that was 50% plus one. But yeah, so uh, I thought we had a pretty solid lead when I watched all the yays stand up to be counted. And then as I saw the no tallies start to tick up, I was like, ooh, it's going to be tight. And I think it ended up being maybe 73%. And we needed 67, so but it was it was close. There were not a lot of folks there, so just a small number of of vote changes that could have been the difference. Yeah, it's just remarkable to me that people don't understand. And I actually I will admit I got up and spoke in favor of it. And one of the things that is really fascinating is the psychology that goes along with having a dog, mm -hmm. and how during COVID. If you had a dog, you actually less likely to get sick and less really? likely, yeah, to struggle. There's a, there's a really interesting article. You know, dogs, there's this chemical called oxytocin, right? Not oxycontin, oxytocin, which is basically the neurohormone of love and trust. Dogs and humans just like build that with each other crazy. So your dog is helping you feel so loved and valued. Just you know, it's remarkable. It's what an IM is about. 
But there's another really interesting thing that happens. I'm sorry, I'm getting kind of shrinking in scientists on this, but this is fascinating. When you take your dog for a walk, it's not oxytocin that is increasing. It's actually GABA and GABA variants. GABA is a chemical that relaxes people and de-stresses. So when you're taking your dog for a walk, it's not just exercising, you're really just sort of de-stressing. And I, I hope people can understand why it's so important to have dog parks because we have ordinances in our town where you're not allowed to take your dog certain places. And that makes sense, you know, because dogs, they're dogs. They don't understand always the social nuance and the expectation. So they may, they may do what they need to do someplace that they probably shouldn't. But having a dog park, it's a place where there's an expectation. But I found out also that doesn't it increase your property values in a town? Did you know that, that your property values in the whole town go up where there's a dog park? Yeah, that makes sense because it's another amenity that our town offers that a lot don't. Yeah, that's so interesting. So again, I, I, I wanna come back to, to you, Steve, because you, you were really determined to get this done. Was there ever, ever a time that you that you doubted it was going to happen? Yes, there were many times where it seemed like we just were never going to find the parcel. Um, and just along the way, uh, you know, we thought we identified one and then someone files a restriction or we thought we had a good site and then there's an old restriction that someone discovered that was not top of mind for people who thought, you know, they could go ahead and approve it. So for example, I had a committee meeting where I thought they were going to vote to approve it. And then probably five hours before the meeting, I got a heads up that they found this restriction. It wasn't, wasn't going to go through. So that was like our second or third option that fell through. And then we finally get some land. And then the cost that came back, the estimate was just astronomical. So then I thought we were dead at that point. And then thankfully this site became available. So probably at least five different times over the last five years, I thought we were we were in rough shape and that might not have happened, but thankfully we, our team never gave up and, and kept pushing forward. And, you know, we're lucky to have the team that we do. But can you talk about that? Because that not giving up part is so important. How did you find that, that faith, that confidence in the goal? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a big believer and there's a few variations in this quote, but I think that luck favors the well-prepared or luck is what happens when opportunity meets preparation. So I was just kind of hoping that if we kept plugging away and never gave up. And, you know, there were so many people in our community who have been so supportive throughout all these setbacks. I didn't want to let them down. So that kind of helped me continue to move forward. And um, it, it, it helped having a great team where you could vent to each other and, and bounce ideas off it. But our, our team was optimistic too. And that became very infectious. But that is also a, a part of, of the I am mm -hmm. is you know, even though you're at your current maximum potential, we have these systems, these communities, which is what, you know, Mark's been talking about as well. How did you find the people to, to join you in this? You know, it's funny because it all happened very organically. People would reach out uh, through Facebook or they'd get my number from someone else and shoot me a text. So I basically, it was just me way back in the beginning. I made a Facebook page for the dog park and people started reaching out that way. And then our team kind of organically built up and formed 
through that. And then once people joined our board, they would think of people they were friends with who might be a good fit and they'd recruit folks that way too. So it happened pretty organically. Mm. It's important because I think there may be other towns that, that face you know, the desire to have a dog park and some of the obstacles that you face. Which, which were the greatest obstacles that you had to overcome? Yes, for us, it was finding a location. I would say, and, you know, all the parts of Marshfield that could be developed have been, you know, and we had to find town-owned land too. So that's the hard part. That's a requirement for the Stan Foundation grant that it has to be town-owned land because they want it to be available to the public. So finding the location was the hardest part. And it seemed like every time we did find a location, it would fall through or there would be another setback for another reason. So that was the hardest part for us. Um, and maybe for other towns, it would be fundraising and things of that nature. But I think it's always finding the location. And then you got to worry about the NIMBY factor. So finding the right spot is tricky. People may not know what NIMBY means. You want to just spell it out? Sure. Then? Not, not in my backyard. <laughs> yeah, not in my backyard. You faced that even when it looked like it was going to get passed, right? There was people came up, said, well, it's too close to this. It's too close to that. Um, how, is there a, a, like a standard size for a dog park? I would say most, most of the ones that I've seen on the Stanton Foundation website, they're usually about an acre or less. So ours, I think we'll have about two acres to work with. We'll have a small dog area and a large dog area, which will be good. But I would say about an acre is maybe the average. But in Boston, some of them are as small as half an acre or even you know, 0.35 acres and some, you know, suburban towns have over one and a half acres, but I'd say one's the average. You're going to have different sections for small dogs and big dogs? Yes. And they'll each have their own independent entrance and it'll be like dual gate entry too. So you open one gate, you come in, close it behind you and then open the other gate to the park. So that way no dogs are escaping in the parking lot off leash and things of that nature. I'm curious about that. Why, why the decision to have parks based on dog size sure i think part of it is people who want a small dog might be worried about an interaction with a dog that could be like 10 times their size and their weight and then some big dogs they're perfectly playful but they don't realize how big they are and they can kind of get a little rough with some of the smaller dogs so it's mostly just to kind of keep them safe and if you watch the smaller dogs too they're usually the ones who are more reactive to you know size differentials than the big dogs are hmm. interesting Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. So what about the mid-sized dog? How will they decide which place to go? Maybe they get yeah. to get a ball. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to ask people to use their discretion and see what might work best. So if you have a really timid dog, you know, maybe they're a better spot if they're medium-sized to go in the small dog area. But if you have a medium-sized dog who's very outgoing, doesn't care, then you can probably take them to a the large dog area. But we hope that people use their discretion and exercise it uh, wisely. It really is interesting, the culture. Mark, you were gonna say something? I was gonna ask, does the foundation give you guidance with, with that type of uh, thought process and, and design and such? Yes, and so this question has come up before with other parks. Uh, so Situate, this was actually in the newspaper a couple of years ago, and basically their friends group said, hey, if your dog's medium-sized, use your discretion for what you think is the best fit based on their personality but they never built the small dog park correct yep so at the time uh this was like right on the heels of their initial victory at town meeting um and then they had some cost overruns too so you're right that they only built one big area 
but at their most recent town meeting, they just got another 75,000 from CPC so they can finally add on and complete this small dog area. Nice. Nice. What were you going to say, Dr. Joe? Just the, how, how the, the dog park culture sort of creates its own boundaries. I mean, Mark and I would go to the dog park, you know, with some frequency because we both have dogs and watching um, not just, you know, the way the dogs interacted, but the way the people interacted and how sometimes if there was a dog that was like, just seemed really uncool, um, the, the, the owners would, would get together and try to, to intervene. There was one time where one guy got just like really, really angry. Do you remember that, Mark? I, I, I do. I, I haven't seen that person since, which, was, which is interesting. But it, you bring up a really good point because, you know, going to these dog parks is an event in and of itself, right? You, there's people that you're going to recognize there. There's new faces. And what, what do you always say, Dr. Joe? Every friend was once a stranger. That's right. right? That's right. But there's this commonality of everybody who's there and it's, it's an immediate icebreaker, right? So you're, you know, the dog walks up and breaks the ice typically, right? And they're going to walk up and you're going to pet them. And um, I, I, I think it's, it's a really interesting, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to go and watch people. It's if, if you're into people watching, it's a great uh, place, <laughs> a venue to do that because it's almost like an adult, playground if you will right so you had the little kids at the playground and then the adults are now watching their next generation of of kids and it's it's really interesting how they how people interact with one another and um yeah it's a it's a it's a really interesting community it, it really is and and um my my kids are, are improvisers as well and they thought wouldn't it be great to do a, a skit? You know how, you know, you're walking down the road with the dog and somebody will just come up and, and say, oh, what a cute dog, you know, nice to see you. And, you know, imagine if, if that was like with husbands, right? So your, your husband is on the leash and some, oh, what a, what a cute guy. That's right, does he, what does he do, sit? Oh, that's so good. So um, I thought it would be actually a really nice Saturday Night Live skit about, you know, showing how, uh, how dogs just, allow for socialization so easily they are icebreakers as mark says they just break the ice you know you got to know your dog whether you should right. let somebody come up and pat them or not and you know if, if the person is dog savvy they will ask first if i could right. pat my dog but sometimes you know you just need to be aware of some of the rules and restrictions and some of the interesting nuances that go along with dogs. And Steve, we were talking off air, you know, as a community, it's also, it's, it's like a pickup spot for single people, right? Yes, definitely. You meet someone with similar interests and hobbies and it, it take off from there. <laughs> Are you, you single, say, Steve? Yeah, I was gonna say, you didn't say very much about that, Steve. When you, I think you operate <laughs> on that a little bit there, Steve. <laughs> sure, yep, I, I am currently a free agent and, uh, <laughs> Hoping I've got some good karma coming my way, but yeah. So, but it is it is a great place to meet people and you know potentially you know pick someone up. We do have a slightly older demographic here in Marshfield, so but if you go on a regular basis, you're bound to find someone. Yeah, it's true, and you have something in common. I mean, there there is something about being, you know, a person who has a dog. I mean, 
we call them dog owners because you know we're the ones who are paying for everything but my goodness they give so much back in return it is it is amazing it's amazing go on steve yeah it actually kind of ties into what you were saying earlier with i am right one thing we all have in common is we want to feel valued and dogs certainly make us feel valued so I know people love to joke about how the dogs don't work and don't pay any bills, but you're right that they give us so much back in return. And I, I wonder what we did to deserve dogs. I don't know what it was, but I'm definitely lucky that we have them around. Yeah, that, nobody, no, nobody's really welcome to me at the house quite like the dogs do, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. As if, you know, everybody welcomed you that same way. I mean, wow, what a wonderful world this would be. Yeah. It's actually, I think, go on, go on. Oh, I think another point in the corner for dogs, Joe, is wasn't it cheaper to send Bella to college than it was your kids? Very true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. But, but have you been to these dog training classes? They are fascinating as well, the culture there. Yeah, they are a lot of fun. And and Bella, I mean, I'm really proud of her. She she really is a smart dog and she picks up on things and, and she's so aware, but um but the expressions that she has. Now, this is an interesting evolutionary part. You, you know that, that dogs have developed muscles in their eyebrows that wolves do not have. Did you know that? You probably didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so wolves are, are pack animals in themselves, but very difficult to really get that sort of sense of connectedness with a wolf. The dog, the domestic dog, has developed muscles in their eyebrows that allows them to almost look like they're giving a human expression. And when we've all seen that, and that's what triggers in us this mirror neuron effect where we, we respond to our dog very often in kind. Um, you, you asked a bit about deserving dogs. It is a really interesting evolution of the domestic dog and humans and how this all happened. Uh, and it, it's, I mean, it's a show unto itself, honestly, because there's, there's so many nuances to it, but there's something amazing. So having a dog park, I, I hope, we, are we gonna call it the dog bark? I hope we're we gonna. I thought it was the bark park. The bark park, I like that. Bark park is good. I like yeah. that. That's good. And we'll, we'll only have like hot dog vendors around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but when we have the dog park, uh, how do you think that could potentially affect our sense of community in Marshfield? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you both raised this point because I think it's an excellent point and it certainly deserves more oxygen where it is a huge benefit for people too. So I know that Situate, they've actually started busing seniors to their dog park to get them some socialization and interaction, you know, during their week. So I think it's a huge benefit for so many people. Uh, we have the retirement community right in that area. And I think there are people who live there with small dogs and, you know, they probably aren't in the kind of condition to take them for leashed walks regularly, but they can come walk over the dog park and set their dogs loose. So I think it's a good benefit for the senior community. But it really is, you, you, you'll you meet the nicest people in the world at a dog park. Um, and you learn a lot too. I mean, I've met really experienced dog owners and I've learned tips and tricks from them and, you know, things about dog behavior. But it is, it really is, I'm excited for how it's going to be a big part of our community. And I, I genuinely believe it's going to be a great community space. Yeah. 
I agree. And it's really thoughtfully located too, um, near a lot of other uh, places where people would go with their dogs. So soccer fields, right? The family is rushing around. We didn't get a chance to walk the dog, but it's a soccer game. So let's kill two birds, one stone, for lack of a better term, and let uh, little Susie get out there and play some soccer while, you know, uh, Patch Patch gets to run around and get, get all tuckered out, as Steve was saying, gets tuckered out and has a good night's sleep as opposed to to pacing around. And it's, it's a really, really thoughtfully placed uh, park too. So I think it's, I think it's gonna be great. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I really am too. So when does all this happen? So uh, we have a building committee for the dog park and basically we're gonna get together pretty soon with the landscape architect. And he has the design already, but it was for the previous location. So he's basically going to superimpose it on the new parcel and make some tweaks and adjustments because it's a new location. So we're going to get together with him, uh, kind of give him our final feedback. And then at that point, you know, we have 90% ready to bid documents for the dog park. And then it's just a back and forth with the Stanton Foundation. And once they sign off on the design, we go out to bid. So we're hoping that we can go out to bid in June or July. And if the, you know, it's a hot market right now, as we all know, but if the bids come back favorably, we can probably open in November. Um, but if the bids come back really high, because uh, the Stanton Foundation told us the market's pretty hot right now, we might you know, go out to bid again in the fall. Um, but right now, things are lining up pretty nicely where we're hoping that we can break ground in the fall and, and open the park officially. How much money are we looking at for this? Uh, so the estimate we have before you know, in-kind contributions to chip away at it is like 500,000 for the new location. Um, and the reason this location was better was because it's a nice flat parcel. Uh, there's existing parking, which cuts down on costs, and there's trees that are already, so that cuts down the number of plantings. But um, and I'll, I'm in the same boat as a lot of folks. They say, how the heck can it cost that much to build a dog park? Uh, and I'm not a construction expert, so I reached out to some people who work in construction in town and also some engineers, and they said that the numbers check out. Uh, and the way they broke it down was it's really just a function of diesel and time. So you're probably looking at about maybe two weeks of land prep work to kind of grade it out and level it and things of that nature and it's the cost of materials is really high but because it's a public project you have to pay, pay prevailing wages so that's 40 cents on every dollar as well so it's this host of different factors that come together but i'm i'm as surprised as anyone but uh, we did verify the number it's about five hundred thousand is what we're looking at hmm. and stanton foundation is contributing how much 225 and uh, one of the architects that we talked to said five years ago, this park would have cost half that amount, but yeah, this is the world we live in right now. But yeah, the stand's kicking in 225, which is very helpful. And then we got the additional 175 from CPC, which is very helpful as well. So we're looking then, to raise how much funds then? Uh, to get to 500. So we have about 37,000 in the friend's account right now. Um, and then we have another 50,000 from CPC from two or three years ago. So we're just about there. But one thing, for example, right, there's, there's a line item in the budget for $75,000 for wood chips. We've had two different folks anonymously come forward to take care of that. So that helps a lot. So just stuff like that. I know that we're there in terms of the numbers. Um, and there's more things that folks are coming forward to donate as well. But that's kind of where we are. Hmm. And the wood chips is a perfect um, flooring for the park too, as that's what Situate's doing. It's it were it really works yeah yeah yes 
because that was a big debate too is what surface to go with like grass just won't survive with just the trampoline and then female dog urine in particular is destructive to grass um so wood chips seem to be the way to go yeah, yeah it makes so much sense because you don't want your dogs being clay and things like that and it makes yes, it really it, easy to pick up the the dog's poop too right exactly you get all of it when it's on wood chips yeah yeah hmm. so um we're, we're coming to the end of the show the, the the show is based on the i am approach the idea that we're all doing the best we can and here we are in a community a social domain that has really come together to help many many individuals um because the four domains of the home the social the biological and the i see how i see myself how i think other people see me because they interact a small change can have a big effect so, Steve, what small change can you recommend to our listeners when it comes to dogs and dog parks? Yeah, so one thing I would say that that's helped me a lot is if I can make the time in the morning to walk my dogs before work, it just kind of carries through with some positive momentum and progress throughout the rest of the day. Um, and it's also good, too, because then I know that the dogs can at least get tuckered out and rest while I'm away at work. So I feel less guilty when they're at home and I'm at work, but also it's good to get myself exercise as well. So. And even just 15 minutes, you get out of bed, take your dogs for a 15 minute walk, they're happy, you're happy, and it kind of carries through, through the rest of your day. So that would be my little tweak suggestion. That's a great, great thing. At the Situate Dog Park, there's a track, like a walking track around the center part where the dogs play. Is there going to be something like that designed? Yes. So there will be stone dust, like paths around the park. Yes. Yeah. So you can, you can also walk even while your dogs are playing. Exactly. So the second truth of the I am is everybody's got one. Everybody's interested in what you think or feel about them, which will have an effect on their biological domain. Because you know, it feels different when you feel respected or disrespected. Mm -hmm. This means you control no one, but you influence everyone. You get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. Steve Darcy, what kind of influence do you want to be? I definitely want to be a positive influence for the town and, and leave it in, in better shape than when I found it. Um, I feel like I kind of hit the cosmic lottery growing up here uh, and being in this town, it's given a lot to me. So I just want to be a positive influence and try to improve the town and, and help out good people. Yeah. Well, we are fortunate to have you here as part of our town, Steve, as well as Mark and Tom. And we have some remarkable leadership here in Marshfield. I hope every town uh, has that opportunity as well to support their leaders. Remember, small changes have big effects. You control no one, you influence everyone. That means your vote matters. So please go out there, vote for what you believe in, what you believe in. Folks, thanks so much. Steve, great to have you in our leadership here at the town. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate the kind words. Thanks, thanks Steve. Yep. And folks, don't forget, unleashing the power of respect and I am reproach in all bookstores and Amazon. Thank you, Mark. Bye, folks. See you next week. <laughs>